Well, amen. What a blessing it is to be here. As you can see, that's one of four families that co-labor with us at Independent Baptist Builders uh, to help churches across the country. Brother John Adams traveled with me this week to be here. What a blessing he is. He is uh, kind of our tenured guy. He's our senior field rep, if you will. When we have difficulties or tough things, I asked John to go with me to look at and and to help uh, oversee the ministry. He is a huge blessing, as you can see. His family, his sons have helped him, and now they're uh, serving in the ministry as well, and it's a huge opportunity. Uh, we began Independent Baptist Builders in 2009. Uh, we were working with some other building groups, uh, but we noticed there was a lack of pastoral authority being obeyed. Being a pastor, that's a big deal for me. Uh, we want to come along beside local pastors and help them through building projects. Most of the time, preachers uh, who are pastoring uh, aren't involved in building a whole lot. So they don't know a whole lot about building ministry. And what I wanted to do was come along beside them, take that burden off of them through the project if we can, and help them to work through the process. Uh, in case you're not familiar with this, if you have a building program, the preacher still has to preach every week. He still has to counsel. He still has to take care of all his responsibilities. His family still has needs. And so what we want to do is just relieve some of that load from him and be a help. Our ministry is not just swinging the hammer and building buildings. We also, all of our guys preach, all of our guys can teach. Uh, many of the families sing. Uh, they'll help in any way they can because we want to take that burden off the church and be a blessing to them. Uh, and we want to be a part of the family. We just believe that if we love one another and we become close, then you'll appreciate what the Lord is doing in our ministry and we'll appreciate you more. We can co-labor better together that way. Since 2009, we've been in 39 states, uh, I think three different, uh, three different continents, I think something like seven different countries, um, and I don't know how many churches exactly. I know on our side of the ministry, we've been in over 250 churches by ourselves in the HVAC side, and I think collectively from 10 different families over the last, uh, since 2009, we're somewhere between 10 and $12 million worth of savings for churches like ours. That's a whole lot of mission money putting back into the church. Uh, and being a whole lot better steward of the Lord's money. Usually, we can go into a project and be somewhere between 50 and 60% of the cost. Uh, and so uh, it adds up really quick. Uh, and having four families out there, that makes a huge difference because we can kind of split up and, and uh, be more effective in multiple areas. But it's a huge blessing to be a part of this. Um, I hope you'll pray for us. And, and uh, if you have any questions, feel free to grab one of us afterwards. But we really do have a burden to help uh, our kind of churches. Let me be clear about that. We are the independent Baptist builders. We're not building any other kind of churches. We want to build just like us. We want to reproduce us. We want to help. We even have a phase of our ministry now where we're helping church plants. Uh, I'm pastoring a church plant myself, and so we want to help church plants that want to build or remodel. Uh, and a lot of times they can't afford to do that. And so we try to go in there if we can at no cost to them and help them get a storefront started or something where they can have a church established in their city. Uh, and if you don't know this, we have a huge need for more churches. And we have a huge need to have the churches that we have established to stay updated, remodeled. Some of them even are, are needing of major repairs. And we will be a part of that uh, for the glory of God. Amen. It's a blessing. So hope that's a good uh, testimony for what we do. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me. We do remodeling. We do new builds. There's really nothing that we have off limits that we can do, uh, but our priority is to help the pastor. Uh, we want to help 
fundamental Baptist pastors who are striving to be King James, who are faithful in sound doctrine and who are conservative in their view and realize that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who we are following and not man. And as long as we do that, then we can get along. Amen. And so we are thankful to be a part of that. By the way, thank you for the hospitality you guys have given us. Uh, your preacher and his staff have been a blessing to us. We appreciate that very much. It means a lot to be able to travel to a different state and get to know there's churches like ours because we are becoming fewer, and that's a shame. But we ought to do a better job. So thank you for your hospitality. Amen? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel tonight. <clears throat> I want to try to encourage you, um, not just about building, but... Uh, because I'm a pastor as well, I like to leave things that will help the church in general. And I think that if we learn how to let the Lord use us, then you can be helping your local church. Because everyone here has something that God can use you to do. And it may be something you don't even think about or realize God can use you to do because you think of the circumstances doesn't fit you or it just seems so weird and chaotic. And I understand we live in a very stressful time. But can I tell you this? God's still on the throne. God's still in charge. And he's just needing some folks who will say, I'm not worried about what's going on outside. I'm going to follow the Lord and I'm going to be obedient unto him. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I want to pick up reading in verse number 6. Preacher, do y'all normally stand? Okay, let's stand then for the reading of God's Word tonight together. First Samuel verse uh, 6 of chapter 14. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. And if they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord had delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and arm, uh, upon his feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan, and his armor bearer, made was about 20 men within, as it were, half an acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. <clears throat> and there was a trembling in the host in the field. And among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeon of Benjamin looked. And behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Then said Samuel unto the people that were, excuse me, Saul unto the people that were with him, Number now and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said unto Hiah, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was, not, uh, was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass while Saul talked with the priests, that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased, 
And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thine hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and it was a very great discomfiture. Let's stop and pray there. Father, we thank you so much tonight to be here. Thank you for these folks who have made it out tonight to hear the word. And Father, I ask you to help me be a blessing to them. Lord, they've been so kind to us, and they have uh, just uh, overdone themselves, Lord, showing us the place and feeding us and providing a place for us tonight. Lord, we're thankful for this. Lord, help us to be a blessing back tonight. Let your Holy Spirit begin to minister. Father, each one of us here tonight realize that we have a place and we can do something if we just allow you to work for us and through us. Help us tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to look at a unique piece of Scripture here, a unique time for Israel. There is some chaos going on, as might be somewhat normal, I guess. The um, man of God has been out taking care of business elsewhere. The king at this time, Saul, is their leader, at least physically. But Samuel was really their spiritual leader. In his absence, Saul led the people down a path of usurping authority. Uh, the people really aren't sure about things going on, but there's a couple who are just saying to themselves, you know what, we have a goal that God has given us, and we're just going to be faithful to God regardless of the events around us, regardless of the things that surround us. We're going to finish our task. Wouldn't it be good if Christians today would just say that to ourselves, regardless of what our circumstance is, we're going to finish our task God has given us to do. Amen? If you're confused about that, let me tell you, God has told us that we're to occupy until He comes, and He told us we're to preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? We have a task before us. Well, these folks had a task as well. They were to remove all the Philistines and occupy the land that God had told them to occupy. Uh, while the events are, are taking place, we find the king back trying to figure out what to do. Saul's not sure how to handle things. He's not sure what to do. Kind of like our leadership today in our country, not sure what to do, doesn't know which way to go, doesn't know which way's up. He's trying to figure it out, and in his mind... He says, I can figure this out. We're going to sharpen all our tools that we have. We don't have any weapons, so let's grab our plows. Let's grab our, our coulters. Let's grab our maddoxes. Let's just do what we can with what we've got. And he tries to get his people together in a physical battle. Well, listen, you and I are smart to know that the battle we're fighting is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. We're fighting against principalities. We're fighting against uh, rulers of high places. We're fighting an enemy that is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. But Saul, he's like many Christians today. He's trying to figure out how to win this battle with his flesh. And his thinking like a mil military warrior, he said everyone needs a weapon. Everyone needs a tool. Everyone needs someone in their hand that they can fight this battle physically. Meanwhile, he's discussing this. Jonathan, his son, the second man, is out continuing to do the work that God has given him to do. Only he and Saul have swords in the entire group here. Uh, and he's aware of this. Uh, but God has given orders to, to go and pursue and to occupy. And he takes God serious. Can I tell you that one of the reasons why we do what we do as serving in independent Baptist builders is that we take serious what God has called us to do. He's asked us to be a help and a blessing to as many churches as we can like ours. He's asked us to help uh, co-labor with pastors who need help and churches that need help. And we are trying to take him serious because we believe that what we are doing is a spiritual uh, battle, not a physical one. 
Even though we erect buildings, even though we remodel buildings, it's not about the facility. It's about how we help that church to minister to the community in the process. And what's going to happen long term because of that facility. So Jonathan here, his armor bearers with him. The man probably had a shield and a club uh, because that's what was available to him. No sword. Jonathan tells his armor bearer here. We need to press on. We need to do this. We need to move forward. And the armor bearer says, press on. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. I'm with you. The Philistine garrison is right over there. We ought to, to look into this and see what we need to do. How are we going to, to defeat them? How are we going to move forward with this? And I admire both of these men because they both put aside themselves and focus purely on the work of the Lord. They put aside themselves. Did you hear that tonight? They said, you know what, it's not about what Jonathan wants. It's not about the armor bearer wants. It's about what God has told us to do. Can I say to his church that we had to put ourselves aside and realize God has left us here as ambassadors for him. He's left us here to do his work. He's left us here in his stead. And we had to put ourselves aside sometimes and say, what does God want me to do? I just want to do that. And I admire those folks who, who see that side of the ministry. The result was God gives a victory here. What does it take to get the Lord to work in your life? What does it take to get the Lord to work for us? Let's look for a minute here tonight and see what it is that they did and we can learn from that might help us have the Lord work for us. Amen. Number one, I want you to see that they work together as a team. If you look in verse seven here, the Bible says, and his armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in thine heart turn to thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. He said, hey, we're a team here. I'm your armor bearer. You're my leader. If you go, I go. We're going to do this thing together as a team worker. You might have heard somebody say this in the past, that teamwork makes the dream work. And I guess there's some merit to that. But I know this is always power in numbers. There's always a lot more done when there's more together. And I've learned that when you're going to do something, a lot of people like to have other Christians with them to do things. Well, this team makes a lot of sense here. And I got to tell you that you look at this situation carefully and you might say these guys are a little bit crazy. I mean, two guys are going to take on a Philistine garrison. They're going to attack a garrison with just two guys on this team. And a garrison is simply a group or a band of men who, are, who hold, have a location or a stronghold usually a minimum of 20 men, but it could be far more than that. It could be in the hundreds if, if need be, but a minimum of 20 men. The word garrison is a, the word we get the root from, gives us our word warranty, guarantee. Uh, also the word regard comes from this or to guard or to garnish. And, and you see, basically it implies security because it speaks of how strong it is. The garrison uh, was sure that they were going to hold their place. They were going to hold that stronghold. A garrison was not an easy task to defeat. Certainly not something you want to attack uh, purposely if you're undermanned. But Jonathan and his armor bearer had an advantage. What advantage? Two verses 20, that's not an advantage. You mean the element of surprise? No, they kind of blew that when they stood up and said, Hey, we're over here. You mean the reinforcements that are coming? Well, there's not anybody else coming. They don't even know that they're gone. They're by themselves. What advantage are you talking about? They had the Lord. Us plus God is always the majority. Even in the world we live in, it's so upside down and so corrupt and so backwards, we're still in the majority as long as we stay on God's side. 
And so these folks had an advantage here. Now, here's the problem that a lot of Christians struggle with, and, and maybe this is something worth noting. Today in our society, Christians are more comfortable with other Christians than we are God. I said we're more comfortable with other Christians than we are God. Not only are we more comfortable, today Christians are more confident in other Christians than they are God. Not only are they comfortable and confident, but most Christians in our day and time are more courageous when other Christians are involved. Now, if God tells us to do something, we ought to be man or woman enough to say, if God said it, then I'm going to do it because God said so. That there ought to be something for obedience to our, to our Heavenly Father uh, that says if God said it, that's good enough. Amen? We ought to do it because God said so. But today's society, Christians like to have other Christians close to them. And when other Christians are involved, it's just like we build this courage. We build this confidence. We become more comfortable knowing somebody else is with us. And whether it's wrong or right, I'm just telling you that's the truth of what happens. And so notice this. If we had more Jonathans charging for God... Think how many more Christians you might encourage, that you might help with their confidence, that you might help be more comfortable serving the Lord. You say, well, if they're serving because of me, listen, don't worry about how come they start, help them to grow. It's okay if somebody is not strong enough in their own to do something, but if you can encourage them, make them feel comfortable, make them feel confident, and then show them it's the Lord that they place their confidence in, then we can help grow them. But notice this, we need more Jonathans, we need more armor bearers who would say regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, I'm going to do what is right for God and I'm going to go to work and do exactly what I'm told to by my leadership and I'm going to stay the course. Proverbs 14, 28 says, In the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. You know, we have to pay attention sometimes about what God puts before us and who God puts before us. Notice with me, secondly, in verse number 11, we have to learn to trust in the Lord. Notice verse 11 with me. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. They exposed themselves to the enemy. And again, this, if you're looking at this on the outside and you're not paying attention to what God's doing here, this looks pretty crazy. And this is not how you win battles, by exposing yourself to the enemy, giving away the surprise element here. But this is either absolutely a huge display of faith or very idiotic. Amen? And can I tell you, that line is very close sometimes, at least from the world's perspective. The world looks at us and says, why would they do that? Why would they invest in, in two young men who are going to Bible college when they got their own families to take care of? Because we believe by faith that we can see the Lord do something. Why would we invest in doing a, a, a remodel or an update or something to our church when it's working just fine as is? Because we believe in the growth and the faith in what God's going to do in the future. We're looking to what God can do. And to the world, it seems so odd. But can I tell you that when you learn to live by faith and walk by faith, God does great things. God does tremendous things. Notice this. This display of, is a powerful display on a couple of levels. Jonathan has so much confidence in the Lord that he plows forward without an army. Can you imagine the faith it must have took for Jonathan to say, 
Dad's not for this. My country is really cowardly. But I know God's for this. And I, I'm just going to keep plugging for God without anybody else but me and my armor bearer. You know, we live in a day and time when we got to say this to, to those around us. Our country may be going backwards. And a lot of Christians have turned and become, you know, unseen, unfound, maybe even unfaithful. But I'm not going to let that deter me. I'm going to follow God because God's who told me to go. God's the one who has called me to do what I'm doing in my life. But notice this powerful display that Jonathan has. This is certain death if the Lord doesn't get involved. You understand, he, he exposes himself to this garrison. He's going to die unless God gets involved. Can you imagine that kind of faith? Can you just imagine this? Now, know about this. How about the faith of the armor bearer? You know, I, I liken him to a wife or to kids in the home today, men, because he's committed to the man in front of him. He's fully trusting his lead. What a tremendous example of faith of both his leadership and his Lord to say, wherever you lead, I'm going. Wherever you lead, I'm going. You know, I love when godly women say that to their husbands. I'm going to follow you because that's what God would have me to do. I'm going to trust and I'm going to serve the Lord by following you. As long as you stand faithful to do what the Lord wants, I'm beside you no matter what. What a picture. So often we forget those in fellowship and the faith that it takes. We must realize that if Jonathan fails, the armor bearer will die also. He's not going to be able to defend this by himself. He doesn't even have a sword. All he's got is a stick in his hand. How's he going to win this battle? You ever feel that way? Like you're following and what the Lord has for you and it just seems like there's a whole lot of unsecure, a whole lot of unprotected environment around me. I'm walking to something I just don't know how it's going to be, but I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm just going to plow forward. This scene just really strikes me as powerful. Without any backup, they press on. Can I say that most people today want a plan B? Most people want to know what happens if this doesn't work. There was no plan B for Jonathan and the armor bearer. Their plan was to succeed for the Lord. By the way, if we didn't have plan Bs, maybe more of us would succeed more for the Lord. Stop looking for a way to fail, but look for a way to succeed. And notice these men were polar opposites. They were putting themselves out there and expecting the Lord to do as he said he would do and deliver the enemy. God had made a promise to them that they would be faithful and follow him. He would deliver their enemies. You know, that's really stepping out there and trusting the Lord for what he says. Can I tell you that you can trust the Lord for what he says? Hey, if he, God gives us direction, we can bank on it and we can, we can be sure of this. While the Lord's not going to lie, we know this. We also know there's many times where God allows things to come into our life to test us, to see how we're going to grow or see how we're growing. And I know this, a lot of Christians, they really doubt the things that God says. Can I give you just a couple of them just to write down that I see, at least in my area of ministry, in my pastorate? A lot of people don't believe things like sowing and reaping. Can I just tell you that you're going to reap what you sow? Be not deceived. You're going to, it's a principle that's just, it's as strong as gravity. You can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. Giving and receiving. A lot of people, they don't believe in that. I'm going to tell you that's just as solid as it's ever been. A lot of Christians today are struggling believing what God has told us when he's proven himself time and time again. Notice what be the third thing here. Sometimes you just have to keep trucking. Look at verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. Can I tell you that the journey of their own was uphill and rough terrain. Not only had they exposed themselves, 
But now they're going at a disadvantage because they have the lower ground. And they're climbing up, and it's such a hard climb, they're on all fours to make it up. That means his hand, uh, the, ar- the armor bearer's stick is in one hand digging in the mud, and Jonathan's so, uh, sword is in his hand digging in the mud, and they're trying their best to get up this hill to get to this garrison to begin this fight as if it wasn't difficult enough already. God said, let's put a little terrain problem in there to see how strong your faith is. You ever been in that battle where you say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and it seems like it gets harder and harder and harder, and the whole time you're thinking, can it get any worse? And in my mind, uh, I have a sense of humor, but I think some of God's just laughing at me to see how much I'm going to take. How much more will he do? Does he really love me? Does he really believe me? Does he really trust me? And the whole time, God's just letting us grow because he's always going to be faithful to his word. He's always going to be faithful if we'll just stay the course. Now watch this. What, is, what does this mean, this terrain? It meant that they couldn't run. It wasn't like once they started, they could turn and run because, listen, they were between a rock and a hard place, literally. It wasn't like they could go left or right because of the ravine they were in, they had to stay straight. Not only this, but this was an uphill and hard battle, so it showed who and what they really were. You know what the world needs to see? Who and what Christianity really is. I mean, not this flaky stuff, not this glossy stuff that they see on TV. I mean, they need to see who Christians really are, what we really stand for. The picture to me is relatable in this way that just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. I can just see the armor bearer saying to himself under his breath, this is harder than I thought. I knew we were going to fight a battle, but now I'm climbing the hills. I'm going to be out of breath before I get to the top of the hill. I'm going to fight this garrison without any breath, without any strength, but he plugs on. They were climbing on hands and feet. How steep this path must have been, how slippery it probably was, how treacherous it might have been, but they stayed the course. Can you see this picture? Jonathan on his hands and knees climbing, and as the Philistines come down to the hill where they begin to butt heads, he's swinging his sword, fighting the Philistines, and as he's wounding them, he's tossing them over his shoulder where his armor bearers and beating them to death with a stick. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. I mean, can you, this is superhero stuff right here, amen? I mean, they're fighting a garrison, with one, a garrison with one sword, one stick, and maybe a shield. Tell me that's not some cool stuff that you'd love to see on TV, amen? Notice the victory here in verse 23. So the Lord saved Israel that day. These two, by faith, stepped out and began doing what God said to do. You say, well, that's a pretty strong thing to do, just the two of them to fight this entire battle. It's a shame sometimes that we don't have more to help in the battles. But God didn't say, go if everybody else goes with you. God didn't say, be faithful if everybody else is faithful. God said to us, go and be faithful. And he spoke to us personally. So these two men step out by faith. They begin to do what God said and I want you to notice this. Someone has to start in order to finish. I don't know about you, but I want to finish right for the Lord. That means I got to start. I can't finish right for the Lord if I don't start for the Lord. Notice how they begin to start. And after they began by faith, it's then that God carried the load. Let me repeat that. After they got involved, it was God who carried the load. God is the one who did the work here. Verse 14, they kill 20. Verse 16, when God got involved, the Philistines began slaying themselves. 
Hallelujah for that. I love it when my enemies are defeated without me having to be involved. You say, you got enemies? Yeah, so do you. You may not recognize them, but I'm telling you, they're out there. And I love it when God defeats them. But notice with me what happens in verse 20. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to battle. You know what happens in verse 20? The others who were hiding got involved. What happened? These two men encouraged others, hey, that they can follow and trust the Lord, and God is faithful. Didn't stop there. Look at verse 21. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Not only did those who were, who were with Saul down at the bottom, they're trying to figure it out, get involved, but now the backsliders return. Verse 21, the backsliders, the ones who had buddied up with the Philistines, said, yeah, we know Israel's terrible. We're on your side now. Well, now they decide, you know what? God is real. And I like it when backsliders return. Amen? I like it when people come home. I like it when people get right. In case you didn't know this, we're in the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, we don't shouldn't just shoot our wounded. We ought to see them through and, and get them back home. And here they come. Here come the backsliders joining the fight. They see God doing something. And then verse 23, which I read for you, God saved Israel. All this began because one man had faith to obey the will of God. Let me help us today. Don't leave here and say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. And do you really think that God does those kind of things? Oh, man, if you only knew what I believe God can do. Listen, I'm going to tell you, my God has no limits. My God is not weakened in this day and time, as man may say. My God is not dead. My God is not broke. My God is not hungry. My God is not lacking. Then what is the problem? The problem is God's people need to be faithful. Need to be faithful. Now, here it is. We need God to work for us. Church, would you agree with me that in the day we live, I've heard this so many times, in these unprecedented times we live in, from sickness to sin that's in our country, we need God to work for us. We need Him now more than ever. The things that used to be hidden and not talked about are now the norm in our society. We need God. We need God to work. If you're looking like I am right now, it looks like some of the precedents we have set over the last five years, I say to myself, how can we ever undo this? How can we overcome this? Only God can do that. We need God to work for us. So how do we get God to work for us like he did for Jonathan and the armor bearer and Saul and the backsliders and Israel? Here it is. You ready? Number one, it takes faith. It takes faith. Not the kind of faith that you talk about, but the kind of faith you live. You see, anybody can say they're faithful. Anyone can talk a good game. But can you live a life of faith? Where you really trust God and everything that God says in His Word you believe is true. Here's what I tell our church at home. I can be mean to them because they're mine. I tell them this. You only believe the part of this Bible you practice. And I tell them, don't tell me you believe God if you don't tithe. Don't tell me you don't believe God if you don't give to missions. Don't tell me you believe God if you don't go out and knock doors and tell people about Jesus and how to get saved. Don't tell me you love God if you're not obedient. Because God says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So the problem is not God, it's us and our lack of faith. Can I say, church, today is a time where we ought to live and walk by faith. 
You know, the world will look at us and say, what is that? Because they haven't seen it in a long time. They haven't seen Christianity the way it should be in the masses. Sure, they see it every once in a while in, in individuals. But I'm saying as a whole, Christianity has got to learn to walk and live by faith and believe what God says. First, believe what he says about our sin. Listen, we are sinners. Uh, we, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's something we have inherited. It's what we are. It's not mistakes. Mistakes are what you do on your math test. We're sinners. We have sin. And God says because of our sin that we have been separated from Him. We are lost and undone in our sins. We have to teach the world that we believe what God says about sin is true. And the only way to take care of that sin is through the blood of Christ. Not only that, we've got to believe what He says about our eternity. Hey, listen, because we're sinners, we're not going to have heaven as our home unless we become born again. Our eternity is based upon what we do with Jesus. Amen. We make a decision. Are we settled on this? Can I tell you, Jonathan was so settled on God's word, he was so sure and so secure, he pressed on. You know what we need in our day and time is churches to press on. I don't know about you, but I get a little discouraged sometimes when I see churches going backwards. Listen, we've got to go forward. We've got to do more for the cause of Christ. We've got to reach more with the gospel. God works for his people when we display faith. Number two, it takes fellowship. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm learning more about your preacher. And the more I hear, the more I love. And if I was you, I would encourage you. You know, he can only do so much by himself. It's going to take some fellowship. It's going to take some fellowship. Just like husbands with great wives, he only makes things look good when he has great fellowship in the home. And we as churches only are good churches when we're following our leadership through Christ. Amen. It takes fellowship. Are we willing to follow our leaders as Christ our leader? He has told us to go. So are we following? Can I just tell you why people don't follow? First, they're not saved. Unsaved people won't follow. People don't follow, secondly, because they don't believe the Word of God. And thirdly, People don't follow when they're so backslidden, they don't obey the Word of God. You know, you can get to that point where you're so backslidden and so deep in sin that you can just forsake the things that you know are right. Yeah. Seen it happen. Number three, it takes follow through. It takes follow through. Not just faith, not just fellowship, but following through. Watch this. We can't just talk about our Faith. We can't just talk about our beliefs. We've got to follow through and live it so the world can see it. Planning is good. It's good to plan. I know a lot of men who tell me back home, well, I'm planning on doing this. I'm planning on doing this. Uh, back in Brother Roloff's days, men would come to him and say, well, I'm aiming to do this and I'm aiming to do this. And Dr. Roloff would say, stop aiming and shoot already. You know, we need some men to stop planning and start doing some work. Get out there and be the leaders of our homes and the leaders in our churches and leaders in our communities and make a difference. Do some follow-through in our walk. Look at the blessing Jonathan would have missed if he didn't follow through. What would he miss if he didn't follow through? Let me ask us for a second here. What are we waiting on? God has a plan for us individually and you in this church and me and mine what are we waiting for? What will it take for us to say, you know what? I believe 
God has a plan, and I'm just going to follow it. You can, you can ask our church, I say this all the time to them, that I, I'm just dumb enough that I believe the entire book. I mean, call me uh, simple-minded or whatever you want to, but I believe if God said it, then it must be true. Amen. And if I didn't, I'd quit doing this. But you know what? I can say to you, uh, looking you dead in the eye, God has not failed me one time. Amen. Now, Paul Sharon has failed a whole bunch of times, but God has never failed me. Amen. One of the things we need to realize is that God can and will work for us, for our good, by the way, if we allow him to. By this, I mean we do as his people are supposed to and are told to in this world. Even in times when leadership above us is not what it needs to be, even in times when our country has gone astray, you and I can see God work for us if we will be faithful. We need to be faithful. Let me encourage you, whether it's a building ministry, whether it's a, a church plan, or whether it's a missionary to a foreign place, or whether it's working in your local church, it takes the same thing for God to work for you. And that's for you to have faith and be faithful to Him. Amen. He's faithful. Amen. He's faithful. So many times I've seen this challenge given, and people seem to think, oh, that sounds good. Listen, I'm going to tell you that I'm staking everything I have that I believe it's true. Because if it's not, then everything I've done in my entire ministry since I've been born again in April of 1992 is all for naught. And I refuse to believe that all the things God has done is for naught. I refuse to believe that. You know why? Because God has showed up time and time again. Time and time again. All he asks for me is to be faithful back. Listen, let's let God work for us. Amen? Amen. Will you stand to your feet, heads bowed, eyes closed for me?